podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. College football is returning to Dublin this summer, yet the Aviva Stadium will host the 2024 Lingus College Football Classic. Georgia Tech, Florida State, August 24th. You've got to be there. Game tickets available in March 2024. But, and here's the kicker, in the meantime, you can register your interest at collegefootballisland.com. Go to collegefootballisland.com, get exclusive updates, team news, access to the pre-sale. So make sure you don't miss out. And you don't want to miss out because Propo is going to be there. And if that wasn't enough, Ben's going to be there as well. What a game it's going to be. Collegefootballisland.com. Get involved. You know that I love to see you on a Monday morning, and I know that our listeners love to hear from you on a on a Monday morning. So I was a bit disappointed when we were just getting ready to, to hit record. You exhaled a really deep and melancholic <laughs> sigh. <laughs> I mean, it was here, a... Oh, here, we, a here we go again. <laughs> so was uh, that after, entirely yeah. on, the, on the Patriots Chargers game last night? <laughs> No, I, that was um, my that was my best bet of the week was the under on that and and it was thirty nine five so I cleared that by thirty three thirty three points so that, that was, is leveling the force Mark. that that's yeah. karmic balance after your under in the uh, Dolphins Broncos game. I didn't have that wasn't my best bet <laughs> yes, it was. yes it was <laughs> yes it was actually yes it was um, <laughs> but but. Um, <laughs> but I also uh, would have took the Pats with six, but I didn't, mm. um, and that would have been a push anyway. But uh, <laughs> that's insane. You know, I mean, that, that, that was. Hilarious. I mean, when you consider in three games mm. they've allowed twenty six points and yeah. lost all three games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's insane. I, 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 someone asked last night, you know, have you ever seen a team with a worse offense? And I said, mm. well, you mean this season? <laughs> Because <laughs> the Jets have got to be in that in that race. Um, they are. We got, well. we, got them. we got a good question about the Jets. We've got a lot of good questions from the past. Yeah. Year. Well, let's get, let's get to them. Although I think if, if you traded Garrett Wilson to the Patriots, they'd be in a lot better shape than Ooh. with with uh, Devontae Parker Taekwon Thornton. Parker always just seems to miss. You know what I mean? He comes really close to making big plays, but doesn't doesn't make them. And Thornton. Thornton had the, uh, the the key drop in that game, you know, right yeah. right through right through his hands. So um, we'll, get I, I have, we'll get into that. We'll get into that thriller. Yeah. Um, is Brandon is, Staley still coach of the year? <laughs> yeah, is he still coaching at the moment? We're recording this at ten thirty four on Monday morning, so I don't know. By the time your listeners, gang, maybe not. All right, there is a ton of good football to get into. Thank God, there was. Um, yes. Why don't we start with? The game that was billed as certainly the, the game of the week. We had a lot of game of the season hype before 49ers Eagles are comfortable in the end for, for the 49ers who haven't moved into the number one seed in the NFC no. that win. But have they moved into the top spot in the power rankings in your estimation? I, I think so. I, I, and I think that's what all almost everyone will show to, to me. I mean, I mean, they they looked like a well-oiled machine after the first quarter. But I think part of that was simply down not not sort of like schematic and dominance, but just down to tackling. That mm. you know, the 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 Eagles missed a lot of tackles, didn't tackle well. Um the the Niners cut through them uh, amazingly well. And and one thing it shows not I think, initially though, did they? I mean early not on in the first shows. quarter. Yeah. And that's why I think I think this was the accumulation of of 
tough games for the Eagles in a row. Um, right. You know, and, and they just sort of flattened out in, in this one. Um, I think that's a also, great point, Mike, actually. I, that hasn't been made enough. The run that they've had, the schedule they've had has been brutal. And and here they are as the number one seed. So we, we can't yeah. write it off the Eagles. Well, and it doesn't get better because they have to go to Dallas this weekend. Yeah, right. Um, which becomes a huge one because Dallas, you know, um, Dallas is only um, a game behind now in, in the East. Um, it does um, get it does get better after that though. The good news for Philly fans: Seahawks home to yeah. Giants, Cards, and the Giants again. So it's yeah, it's funny. Nice. The, the Seahawks were in a real spoiler position in the NFC because mm-hmm. they you know they they've got um, San Francisco next this week and then Philadelphia the next week. So mm-hmm. so they're in a position to really upset the apple cart there. Uh, but the other thing with Philly, I I thought too is they've had injuries to the linebacker. This yeah. this the second level is so well, I think. I was talking last week to someone about Shaq Leonard, you know, who's still a free agent. Everyone said, oh, he's going to go sign with Dallas because they've been. But, you know, right now, I think if I were if I were Howie Roseman, I'd be talking to Shaq's agent right now. You know, although he's injury and he's not the player he was um, uh, a couple of years ago, he's probably better than what their alternatives are. Because specifically running on the Eagles is is becoming an issue for that reason, right? Like, yeah, well, successive weeks now we see running and as well, the Eagles are the sorry, the the Niners attack your second level a lot. Mm. You know, the the plays, the run plays, like lots of zone blocking plays are designed to get your runner onto the second level. But the passing attack is designed to get guys running cross crossing routes and and hit in stride, uh, you know, and hopefully against linebackers if they can get a mismatch um, Mm. or if they come across a zone. So so that is problematic when you're when you're playing the Niners. But, you know, with the three games the Niners lost were without Trent Williams, without Debo. Sure. And when you when you give the Trent Williams had an amazing game. They were running behind him. McCaffrey got most of his yards running to the left um behind him. And Debo obviously had a huge game. Uh, but you know, Debo broke one, Johnson broke one. Yeah, you know, where they're tackled, basically. And they just break the tackle and and, and Debo's was amazing because he breaks the tackle and then splits two guys <laughs> and then outruns the fourth guy. It, it was a it was a you know I mean, a brilliant play. Well, that that leads us on to the inevitable question that we feels feels like we have to ask almost every time we see a Niners performance like this. Debo had a lot of yards after the catch, as you mentioned. McCaffrey had a big game. They established the run pretty pretty convincingly, but. It was another really, really composed performance from Brock Purdy. So what does he have to do? How many more of these does he need before people are going to seriously look at him it's in, in that top tier? I mean, he he four touchdowns. He, he did yeah. everything right once I again. think I think your buddies at the ringer have him ranked 20, 20th in the league or something 20th, like that. that I, I read Peter King's column this morning, which I recommend, and I don't often do that, but I recommend it. I recommend it for... Um, there's a great piece about the 1963 Army Navy game, which I remember vividly, um, which they staged after Kennedy's assassination, but they postponed it a week. So they, they, it was in December. And that was when Army and Navy were playing for a bowl spot in the Cotton Bowl. They were both really good teams. And Roger Staubach was the Navy quarterback. And, oh, wow. Okay. And, and Navy won basically on a goal line stand at the end of the game where, where the clock ran out before Army could run a, a fourth down play. Um Things being what they are, it's a really interesting. Oh, it's a really interesting yeah. piece. Um, Did he have something but, to say about Brock Purdy as well? Then, well, yeah, he was talking about Brock Purdy's his number one pick for MVP. Um, I don't which, think that's a crazy, crazy. It's argument. not crazy, but it's kind of you know. I'm not sure he's 
sensationalist. It, it's hard. It's hard to say because I'm not sure in the same sense that I don't think two is the MVP in Miami. I think Tyreek Hill is sure. the MVP. I get I think that you you can make a good argument for McCaffrey. Yeah, being yeah. being their MVP, the team's MVP, yeah. uh, because lots of stuff happens through him. But but I mean, the thing that Purdy does that nobody seems to really appreciate is process. And this is what any NFL quarterback needs to do. Some guys get away with not processing well because they've got really strong arms. Some get away with it because they're very mobile and they can, you know, keep a play alive and 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 makes make hay out of the the breakdown play but purdy is the old-fashioned kind of guy who sees what the defense is doing and understands where he needs to go given what his offense is so you know he comes up to the well or sits in the shotgun but looks at the line of scrimmage sees what the defense is going to do knows what his options are and knows which one is the best one to start off with and he's very, very accurate, even on longish throws. You know, people say, oh, yeah. he doesn't have much. Doesn't have an arm. Yeah. But he yeah. put but he puts the ball pretty accurately on 30, you know, 30 yards downfield. And I don't know what what what, what more you, you can take. And, and he's tough as well, as he demonstrated last night. I mean, he could, you know, yeah. can handle himself. I mean, yeah. but this you is know, the touch the touchdown pass last week in the end zone, the what the, the one that won uh won the game to Ayuk. Mm. You know, he throws that really early anticipating where the play where the play is going and puts it right where he's going to be you know that's the kind of innate sense of of passing that that guys like brady and manning have right. you know um, right. and, and, I, and i and i get that i mean we've you know talked about this for years because it's an argument you put across for years that if we're talking and i know that sometimes the tearing of quarterbacks is a bit simplistic or facetious and but you've often maintained that one of the key things we're looking at a point of distinction between the great quarterbacks and the good quarterbacks is this anticipation element of anticipation leading your receiver to the to the ball as opposed to the other way around right he yeah he's clearly got that so why is that not valued as high or maybe this is your point as a dual threat ability well yeah they never they never are and in in today's game the dual threat is a big thing i mean you sure. know so many teams are being successful with dual threat quarterbacks and and a number aren't which really everybody sure, right? seems to seems to forget i used to say a long time ago it was the three r's i said you know um, read react release and you know the, the really great quarterbacks do that quicker than mm. than the other quarterbacks do and that compensates for a lack of pure arm strength mm -hmm. um, arm strength i think is the single most overrated quality mm -hmm. in a quarterback apart maybe from size um although small size we're saying you know does create some problems yeah and but um the quarterback who knows where the ball should go and can put it accurately and in the case of an offense like San Francisco, but really any offense, you want to put it, you want to put it where you're you're leading your receiver to get extra yards and not get killed mm. if you if you can possibly avoid it. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what he's really good at doing. Uh, I'm yeah. just amazed, you know. And um why he doesn't get more recognition is I think he's looked at as being a system quarterback. Yeah. You know, which some heard people, that song before, like some, yeah. Brady yeah. was the prototype of that. But yeah. obviously, Jim, as he got more rings, the arc, the narrative changed. But yeah, for a long yeah, time, Brady was a was a system quarterback. It was just he was in, he could play in any system that Bill Belichick decided they were going to use on that particular day. The Patriots or season, the Patriots were different teams in 
during the Brady era, and he yeah. played different kinds of games. Um, but even kind of fairly well into enough. Brady's career, Mike, you know, we would have we would have these discussions to hear these arguments that he's not as talented as Manny's, he's not as smart as yeah. Manny, he's not as talented as Rogers. Rogers Favre's got a bigger arm that you know all of this would yeah. fly around. You know, yeah, and- I mean, Peyton probably had better overall skill i mean natural skill you know or not natural because you you work on it but you know better arms but he was a system quarterback the thing was the system was his <laughs> it was like they did what he wanted to do the, yeah. the, the colts had like five running plays yeah you know and ten like they were three plays but two of them to one side two and the other in a draw you know um that makes you like a broadcast with you mike that's the kind of, kind of. I, I i do go hey. back to the old tropes um hey listen we've got um got a i think we got a couple of questions yeah, we have. We about have what we've been discussing now don't forget i might will pick his favorite from the passiunk avenue mailbag and the winner the lucky winner not only will get Iron Mike's endorsement, which I think is what you're all after, but also £25 to spend at uh, Passyunk Avenue. Don't, don't forget, like, like Boris Johnson, Iron Mike is eminently bribable. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Uh, on both guys. Uh This is from UK Rays fan. Hey, UK Rays fan. Mike Tarico said that the poor quality of games is due to there not being a second tier of quarterbacks in the NFL present. The likes of Eli, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, who were always guaranteed to turn in a decent performance every week. Now we have an elite tier and nothing much after. What do you think? I don't agree at all with Tariqa on that. I think it's demonstrably two top tier. You've got the Dak tour level, which is underneath the Burrow Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan, I don't know who else you put in there. Eli, Matt Stafford, maybe. They were always... Year after year, they were always in the ranked between, say, eighth and twelfth. Yeah, in, okay. in in that kind of, and if that's the second tier, I mean, mm-hmm. you're still only you're still only halfway down the down yeah. the list of teams, you know. Right. Um, and I think the more the problem is, the more the problem is in the next tier down. It's the bottom sixteen where you have trouble finding Agreed. quality quality that, quarterbacks, yeah. you know, and where you get. You get guys being thrown in before they're ready. In the case of high draft picks, um, journeymen on not so great teams that they can't make them better. You know, mm-hmm. where I mean, look at Gardner Minshew, for example. You know, he's had some great moments with Indianapolis. But he's still he's still not a second tier quarterback by that definition. Rain on um, Gardner's party. No, but no, but I mean, his, he's one of the great stories of the season. I think, you know, Indy's seven and five. No, I'm only kidding. I get your point. Him. Not, yeah. yeah, no, yeah but you know, and I think there's also other questions. They don't get to, they don't practice enough. And by that, I mean, not that they don't work out or do, but, but the team doesn't practice enough because practices are more restricted nowadays. Um, they come out of college playing, uh, in a lot of cases, a shotgun um, re- read option, uh, very well defined, well well defined passing options. Probably one read and out, two reads maybe and out, but not the whole field. Uh, so the adjustment to the pro level, you know, is harder in in that sense. And that's what everybody said about C.J. Stroud. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I think he's so you know special yeah, is <laughs> is that he's he's adjusted to that NFL game very quickly. Yeah. So you know, I think it's always that way. I'm going to write a piece about this because I think it ties okay. in with Tom Brady's comments. Mm, yeah, um, for sure. You know uh, about things, and you know that picture I put up every year, which I love. I think it was the 1961 Look Magazine pro football piece and it's got all the starting quarterbacks around the league and you know the top row is throwing the ball and the bottom mm. row is is lateraling the ball at the mm. camera 
Um, <laughs> you know, and and I knew all of them. <laughs> I mean, I could look at it. The only one who gave me pause was Sam Echeverry from the uh, Cardinals, who was a star in CFL, but not really in the NFL. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to look at those guys. You know, a number of them are in the Hall of Fame, obviously. Mm-hmm. But where how you know where will we put the others nowadays? Of the, of the what was it, uh, 16 teams? I think at that point mm-hmm. um, in the in the NFL, uh, 14 or 16. Um, you know, where would how many of them had tier one, tier two by Tyrico's definition quarterbacks, yeah. and how yeah, many yeah. how many didn't? You know, I, it's, I don't think this saying. changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree yeah. exactly that. I mean, God, I remember go back to my my vintage of, of falling in love with the game and you had obviously marina montana and kelly and that crew but then you had players like ken o'brien right who were very who was good. good yeah yeah, good, good, kind of eight yeah ken o'brien was a matt ryan ryan's yeah. bit ryan's a bit better than ken o'brien but you know um i would say ken o'brien and eli are pretty good comics yeah okay. ken, yeah. ken o'brien never led a team to two super bowls you know yeah, the vegas he's uh, not good at the hall of fame then, sure <laughs> of that. uh all right well patreon.com uh forward slash mike carson fmt that's where you read the stylings and profilings of the big man say so that's oh yeah interesting. oh yeah he's gonna be writing <laughs> about that this week i'm gonna stay on this tip for a minute because there was we, there is another issue to discuss in the philadelphia game oh yeah 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 <laughs> oh for sure i am um, i want to get and, to, well you know well let's go to that first i'll come back because there's a question about rogers which is really interesting which i want remind me mike and i'll do that a bit later okay. let's talk about the the big Dom situation. So, uh, so it, I'm sure everybody has seen this, but just in case you haven't, uh, or, or maybe haven't necessarily kind of looked at it in, in much detail, Dre Greenlaw got ejected from the game because he kicked off when there was a sideline fracker with uh, the Eagles head of security, who's uh, affectionately known as Big Dom. Right. So <laughs> Greenlaw, uh, Greenlaw, and Dom both got thrown out, but of course, obviously, the Greenlaw ejection impacts the game much more than. Big Dom's, you'd, you'd imagine, I don't know, maybe Big Dom is uh, is calling plays and getting involved. And so two or three really good questions on this. For me, the most interesting comes from Gary Thorpe, who asks, has the Big Dom debacle set a potentially dangerous precedent in allowing non-playing personnel to have a game-changing impact? Yeah, I, I, I will I will say with no, you know, not meaning to boast, but mm. at, the, at the, in the instant this all happened, I was, that's what I was all over. Um, because before the announcers were never talking about it. they didn't even say that he'd been ejected. Mm. You know, and you saw him being escorted off the field and the announcer still didn't realize that he'd actually been ejected mm. because from the moment he pushed Greenlaw, you know, what happened? Greenlaw was was trying to get uh, was it Devontae Smith? Yeah, wasn't wasn't giving wasn't giving up, you know, and he was. And so Greenlaw was trying to get him down and finally did a belly to back. Uh, belly to belly suplex basically yeah. Yeah. and 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 put him down and that's always going to be a penalty and then um big dom came in and pushed greenlaw and then greenlaw kind of got in his face and with what was kind of a half-hearted bunch it looked like he was wiping his nose <laughs> basically doing him a solid um yeah. but but that's what got greenlaw ejected he would have had a 15-yard penalty anyway but i think that's what got him ejected but they also quite rightly ejected dom because you know You've been on the sidelines, you know, there's anywhere. I don't know what the number is. There's so many people on the sidelines with credentials Mm. and um, they cannot get involved with the game. You know, what's big, big Dom's a glorified bouncer, basically. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think his job is to protect uh, 
uh, protect the co, you know, Sirianni or something like that on the sideline. You know how, like in colleges, the coach always has like three state troopers with sunglasses, drive <laughs> caps, you know, go following him around. Why is the taxpayer paying to have bodyguards for a college coach in a, in a ninety thousand seat stadium? I don't know, but he's anyway, like, he's like Tony Soprano's driver, basically. Yeah, but but the first thing that occurred to me, and, and you can go back and see my tweet about it, was. And I was calling them the Flyers, the Philadelphia Flyers yeah. yesterday. The He's Flyers, a- when they went to this, won the Stanley Cup, had Fred Sh- Fred the Fog Shero, who was a career minor league coach, had gone up and coached the Broad Street Bullies. And Fred knew that if your goon started punching the other team's best player, they were both going to get a penalty for fighting, whether the, whether the best player threw a punch or not. He could yeah. cover up, you wow. know, go like an armadillo. He was still going to get two minutes for fighting because mm-hmm. two guys fight. That's that's the ethos of hockey. So if you have a guy on the sidelines like Big Dom, and you you know you could tell him go push that guy over. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. when the guy comes back, they both get ejected, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you're way ahead on the deal. Yeah. And the NFL, I know, is going to have to do you know something about. So this. what are they going to do? Because could to be, I mean, if you look at it, you're right. He's a he's an enforcer, a, you know, glorified enforcer. But you know, in, in all seriousness, the security that's needed increasingly now, and in the, in the 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 age that we're in, you kind of understand why they, roles, they, like, they don't exist. But but the easy thing, I think, you know, you have a coach's box. Yeah, you know where the coach can't go downfield beyond it's around the 30, 25 yard line, something like that, um, and or else he supposedly gets a penalty. But he did. Um, I, what I what my solution would be would be to keep extend the box in, to include the bench, mm-hmm. and guys like that just can't be in the box. They have to right. be behind behind right. the bench yeah, or, yeah, or sure. outside. They, and they, they can't be part the field, which is really yeah. Nice. They yeah. can't they can't be part of the game day. Yeah. The game, game day squad, the people who are playing or coaching the game, and that that to me just seems like a simple thing that should be should have been enforced before. Um, someone asked a question though about you know about your favorite enforcer. Yeah, that was Phil King. So hey, Phil uh, at Grecian Phil is his handle at the NC show. <laughs> but he doesn't have gray hair. No, you don't Phil said a pick in and let us know him and uh, Prince. It's... Him and Prince Philip. <laughs> Uh, any relation Two great to Greeks. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's Peter King, just under a, under a <laughs> very obvious pseudonym. Uh, after Big Dom's ejection last night, asked Phil, who is Iron Mike's favorite sideline character? I, there's no Mike? question about that, but he's he's Nat's favorite. He and Nat got very intimate a number of times. Mike Murphy from the Giants. Oh, yes. You, you remember Mike? Mike? <laughs> Ask Osi about Mike. Osi loves Mike. Everyone loves I see everyone, all the players love these guys. You yeah, know, they're right. no, not they're all ex-cops and mm-hmm. you know, um obvi- and uh, Mike Murphy, obviously New York Irish cop and and big dumb Philly Italian cop, you know. And um, but yeah, M- Big Mike was in your face a couple big, of times, big, and I backed down sensibly. I mean, I, could, I didn't want to show Mike up in front of the place. Big Mike was Big Mike was uh, yeah, he was cross with the legendary, uh, the legendary filming story at, at Albany at the Giants training camp. Big Mike, <laughs> Big Mike was executing. Big Tom's orders, and, uh, and uh, I didn't notice you leaping to my defense there either. Right, Mike, you were. You Do I look like a fool? You <laughs> like the heel you are. You and you're back in the locker room. Get him! Yeah. Get him! <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike, he's over here. That's Bobby the Brain from. Yeah, Mike. I remember being on the down on the field before I snuck in with OC, you know, and and um, yeah, I remember. You know, I, I'm on this. I 
snuck on the sidelines with OC and Sean O'Hara, the, the giant center was also an announcer, you know, and it's great when you're standing between the two of them, no one's going to ask for your, you know, see if your credential has the right number on the, on the front to go on the sidelines. But the first guy who came up was big Mike. And <laughs> of course, OC and Sean were, were like, oh, Mike, you know, and I'm saying, Oh God, he's, he still remembers. He's going to get me. He's going to remember. <laughs> oh, that'd be the ultimate payback for me. Um, okay. So that's, that's something to look at how the NFL react to what went down at link with big dom and andre greenlaw we talked about the eagles running the cowboys as mike says up next and the seahawks as well but then it's the as, as we touched on the giants cards giants so they're, they're still the right. favorites for the number one seed right i mean it, yeah like- i mean it, at worst at worst you're talking 13 and four yeah um and san francisco's got i think it's seattle is it Seattle, the Rams, Seattle, or is it the is it the Rams? It's I think it's Seattle, the Rams, Seattle. If I'm not yeah, if so I'm they've not got mistaken. the C, uh, Seattle, the Cards, the Ravens, the Commanders, and the Rams. That's who, oh uh, okay, the, no, the sorry, Rams I'm wrong. Um, but but that's that's fairly easy too. So you know, uh, yeah, I guess so. Could admit, isn't it really? Yeah. It so it could come. It could come right down to a tiebreaker, which yeah, San Francisco yeah. now holds. Yeah, because you don't think Detroit, uh, despite no, their win, Detroit's not a good enough team to. to yeah. I mean, they could win. Though, they could beat. They could beat one of these teams on 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 a day. On their day, yeah, but so not, they got quite a decent run. Well, okay, I mean, they got yeah. Bears, Broncos at the Vikings, at the Cowboys, and then the Vikings at home. So, yeah, yeah, they, I mean, they, they should win four well, of those games. Yeah, they right. they could stick. They, it could stick them into the into that kind of a position, right. but they're not as good a team as any of those three. They're they're a step a step behind them. Well, speaking uh, of the seedings in the AFC, then that kind of nice. Those are the only about. four teams with winning records. We're going to get to the South in a bit. Don't you worry about that. The um the Packers taking down the Chiefs has made it pretty interesting. What yeah, a game! The, yeah. What a game! What a game it was. And there's a lot about the game I, I want to get into with you. It does put Miami as the number one seed now after right. their comprehensive win against Washington. We'll get into that as well. Let's let's talk about this Green Bay side and in particular the offense and Jordan Love, who I think a third of the way into the season already the book was mm, after all this time, after that, all the controversy of the number one pick and how it pissed off Rogers. He's not their guy. He's their guy, isn't he, Mike? I think we're seeing this week on week now. I think they might have found their guy. Yeah, I think they've reached a point where where they've in and it's partly love and it's partly also that their young receivers are, excuse me, maturing um, a bit, you know, and you're getting real contributions now from Watson, although it looked like he got hurt at the end of that game. I haven't seen what the the report of of that is, but, you know, he he um, kind of collapsed to a knee um, on on hit you know as as he was uh, taking the sidelines but um him and dubs and uh dontavion uh they're all they're all kind of playing really well the lines playing you know okay when they have jones and dylan they can run the ball and what's his name taylor the third running back had a couple of good carries in in that one too so you know i think i think that's that's come along and at the same time their defense is coming along in the sense of pass rush. That's that's what their mm-hmm. their strong point has been. It was their strong point last night against Kansas City, um, and that makes them difficult. I think you have to consider running the ball on on Green Bay, which which the Chiefs did pretty well. Um, you know, the end of the game was real chaos. You had a a bad penalty on Jonathan Owens um, where he he 
he knocked Mahomes out of bounds, but he was clearly, they were both in bounds and it wasn't a vicious hit or anything. He just used his shoulder um, sideways, you know, not, not straight up, but just sideways to bump him, bump him out of bounds. And I, I don't think like about the that. last play. Yeah. The last play and the call on Kel, the shove on Kelsey. I mean, cause it was, well, that's rarely going to get called. Mm. I mean, I, I, I of course, called, of course it's a penalty. Yes. Yeah. You know, and there was other stuff going on, but basically the NFL is, is letting the hail Mary go. You're not the referees aren't going to throw a flag on Hail Mary. Why not? Um, except in the well, let the boys play, let the guys play. They actually said that on comms, didn't they? Yeah, let I know. The players play. I know, which I which I always argue is ridiculous because you know it, it's an, an incredible advantage for the defense. But sure. But um, the play before that was the one that you know it was that when Valentine yeah. basically jumped on on MVS's back and, and took him down by the head. You know, it was like a, it was like a bulldozer headlock um, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and it was no call. And then after the game, um, what's his name? Uh, Brad Allen said, you know, there was no distinct advantage gained or something like that. It was a black, <laughs> you know, it wasn't interfering with his ability to catch the ball that someone was on his back yeah. around his head and pulling him <laughs> down to the ground. No, okay, Brad, whatever no, you but- say. So I, yeah. you know, I thought I thought that's the kind of stuff that just kills a game because it's, it was so obvious that um, was it Gene Steratore or Terry McCauley um, was the refereeing mm-hmm. the refereeing guy um, just said that's you know he said well that looks like you know and then he looks at the replay well that's definitely interfering you know, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, see yeah, how you yeah. can not call it you know? oh, yeah and I said well welcome to the NFL. Um, let's talk about this Chiefs. Uh, let's talk I don't about think it was an unfair decision though. I mean. And what do you, um, mean? you know, you think it was an unfair decision. No, not decision. I mean the game. I don't think oh, the result, result. The result was the result necessarily was okay. Because that's a know, really good point. Because we look at a few results featuring the Chiefs this season where rubber the green uh, that they get the win, and we're maybe talking about an altogether different Chiefs with the, the point you've made and we've made on the show quite a lot recently. The defense is rolling, and even though the offense isn't in fifth gear, they're still right up. And now they're sitting at what eight and four. Eight and four. And this was an this was this number blew my mind. NFL research drop this that in this is in the second half of games right in weeks one to 11 so that's the, the yeah the, apart the, from the last week the chiefs averaging 5.3 points per game that's dead last yeah in the league and that's ext- an extraordinary number for a, for an andy reed Mahomes offense yeah, and you know the easy thing to say would be that Andy's always got like the first fourteen plays scripted or something like that. Yeah, and, you know, and those aren't working, so they're having to find something else. Last week they had a good first half and a bad second half, so that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of um, ruined the string. But um, I think that's the problem because they they can't depend on playmaking, mm-hmm. um, and you know Green Bay. Uh, had the best game against their defense, um, probably the one of the two best in the last in the last six weeks or something like that. And Green Bay's pass rush was really good. It kept kept Mahomes and and Mahomes' yeah. ability to make plays happen. We see, you know, that was a play to, to happen with Valdez Scantling, but he got interfered with and it wasn't called the week before. Valdez Scantling. Dropped drops basically, it, drops dropped it, yeah. a, a pass that would have been a game winner. Yeah. Um, you know, they they need a big playmaker, and the idea that you could replace Tyreek Hill in the aggregate, like Moneyball, just hasn't quite panned out for them. You know, especially since Kelsey is a little bit slower 
um, you know, a little bit more, it's a little bit more deliberate the way they, they have to use him um, these days. They can't really adjust to being a running team. Pacheco, as you say, had a big Although day. Pacheco, yeah, and, and then he Pacheco. got thrown out. I love because yeah. everyone loves Pacheco too. It's just um, great. Just the, um, such intensity. He's a brilliant to watch. So, so I think that's going to be a problem for them. I think, yeah. you know, the Chiefs will be able to win any game. If yeah, a couple, okay. of, a couple of things go right for them, um, you know, if Mahomes can make a couple of plays, um, yeah. but they're not the kind of team that comes out and and dominates you, yeah. uh, you know. And I won't jump ahead except just to say that you see what the effect of Tyreek Hill is, you know. And I think he's a viable. Okay, let's jump ahead. Let's go to. He's, the, go he's to a viable contender for MVP. I think he has to be. We've talked about it for a while, and then particularly yeah. in light of the fact that there's no outstanding quarterback play. Then, then he, McCaffrey for sure as well. I think is in that conversation. But Tyreek Hill absolutely should be the front runner. He's probably not going to win it though, right? But he should. He, he I should. doubt he would. I mean, there hasn't been a wide receiver MVP. Um, yeah, never, right? In the modern era, I, I think. I think you could have argued that Don Hudson might have been the MVP in the early '40s with Green Bay, but I don't think they had. I don't think anyone chose an MVP they had in those, MVP in those well, years. What would need but, to happen? Like, what's his had, name? Say you had um. We had an MVP wide receiver in, in NFL Europe. Oh, okay. Um, one year. Um, Marcus then Robinson. Went to the league? Went to yeah, the, played in the NFL yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, he was dominant and 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 deserved it. What, what would Tyreek need to do? Like, if he posts I'm not sure. yard games for the rest of the season, that's going to put yeah. him on, that will put him on 2,000 yards. What sure. does he need to do that he hasn't done? You know, it, you know yeah. what I mean? The problem is when you watch the Dolphins, um, I mean, I, I made a little note, you know, when Van Ginkle had the interception. Yeah. The game was over at that point. You know, when, if the Dolphins get defensive touchdowns, <laughs> you know, forget about it. Yeah, um, sure. and, and also the lineman, the tackle, I think it's Wiley, who used to play for the Chiefs, was the right tackle on that play. You know, he can't let he can't let the guy go to the outside in that, you know, how block pass blockers will often let the guy go outside. But when you know that the play is a screen to the to that side, you can't let him go outside because you're handing him the the pass route. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of keep him on the inside. But anyway, um what else can can you know he'll have a two thousand yard season, which yeah. you know that's pretty spectacular um uh, on its own. He's he's the difference in a lot of Dolphins game. And I think the biggest thing holding him back probably is that like the Cowboys the Dolphins haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Yeah, well, that's in fact they haven't beaten a team with a winning record since week two of last season when they beat Buffalo twenty-one nineteen. That's an insane stat from mine. Mike on Monday morning with well, their strength of schedule. You're absolutely right. Is point three oh six. That's the worst in the AFC and third worst in the whole league right now. Um, you mentioned Van Ginkle. Isn't that more cause for optimism for Miami fans? Because when Jalen Phillips went out, was it last week? Week before when it went out for the season. They've brought in JPP, who yeah. we figure will will factor a little bit. We'll still spell him, won't they? He'll, he'll pinch it. Yeah. But Van Ginkle had a big a big. He's game. a good player. He was last year, you know. Um, and um, he's not a super athlete, I think, which is probably why he doesn't. He's, and he's not a – you don't want to have him rushing one-on-one all the time against top tackles and stuff. But as an outside linebacker, he can cover a bit a little bit more than most of the guys they have, although they're not asked to cover. It's a three, four, but they're not really asked to cover very much. Um, mm. they're, they're there to be edge setters or or pass rushers, mm. but he's, he's very good at both. He's kind of, 
he's kind of a, the van thing makes it easy, but a kind of Kyle Van Noy type. He's mm-hmm. he's versatile. You can use him all over the the formation, inside or outside, if you want mm-hmm. to. And he, he's a skillful player. I've, I liked him when they drafted him. I've liked him right right the way through. Um, and uh, he's got a lot of attention the last two weeks because he had to step, you know, they have to step up when Jalen Phillips goes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, um, and he's, he's, he's been able to do that. And Vic Fangio's good at scheming pass rush. He's better like anyone is when he's got two stone, uh, pass, you know, outside linebacker pass rushers that, that defenses have to worry about. Um, and his philosophy is basically, I don't care about them covering. I want them to get to the quarterback and, have him rush so much that he can't get a good pass away. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Even even to that level. Yeah. Um so uh, that's why I think Miami's, you know, Miami's a really tough out in the playoffs because their defense is getting better. It's gotten better yeah. in the last five weeks, you know, week after week as with Ramsey back and um and Fangio coordinating. Yeah. And and even in a game where you're a good team stuff, they can always pull off a big play. You know, so it's yeah. not it's not their fault, quote unquote, that they haven't beaten. Yeah. And actually, we'll know, we'll know a bit more about them, I guess, if you look at their run. Now, you've made the point uh, for much of the season, but yeah. we're looking ahead to the schedule. They've got games at home, haven't they? But they've got four of the last five are at home. Yeah. yeah. But of which um, amongst them, the Cowboys and the Bills at home, they're at the Ravens. So it's a kind of tricky, tricky end for them. But the moment they're in the that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be really good. I mean, Miami Ravens is already going to be one of the games of the of the season if things yeah. stay the way the way and they it might, are. And it might shut up this narrative. Well, it probably will shut up the narrative. If they can get some big wins against contending teams, then uh, it will quiet in any way, if not completely, completely remove it. You know, I was thinking of watching this game, Mike, and watching Miami just ride roughshod over the commanders and firing Jack Del Rio go for Washington. <laughs> <laughs> we love Jack. Jack, I, I don't know. Jack was just like, we got to fire somebody and we're not going to fire Ron till the end of the season because we're yeah. not Dave, we're not David Tepper. Yeah. So, um, you know, so the point? Jack, the point? <laughs> see you around. <laughs> I mean, I was comic. I'm glad that, uh, get rid of his two best, or well, two of his best players. Yeah. I mean, as I pointed out before, they, they were giving up 30 point. They gave up 30 points in, I think, four of the seven games Del Rio coached. So it wasn't like have or when Young, when Young and Sweat both played, they gave up 30 mm-hmm. points or more in four of the seven games. So it wasn't like they were making a huge difference. You sure. know, well, everyone was saying what a great defense Washington is. And the, the truth is they're not. You know, they were strong up front, but they don't, you know, they weren't they weren't as dominant as they needed to be given what the problems were behind behind them. Yeah, but you um, can fair point, but you can be certain that they're going to be even worse if you get rid of those two as well. So what they true. What they true. Were hey, Mike. I mean, Ron's Ron's gone. I mean, Washington's Ron's gone. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Look, oh, yeah. Looking for a coach. Uh, Staley's got to be gone. Um, Bill sh- probably should be gone, but you don't know what the dynamic, you know, the internal dynamic of that of that situation is. Yeah. Um, and. I can't, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else around the league who, um, you know, you could see, you could say maybe Chicago might want to change, but I don't think they will. I think, um, I think the Titans, I, I think Vrabel might be in trouble, which I think is such a shame, but I think he might be. I mean, there's buzz about it. And and I, and let's talk about that game. It's funny because his reputation is great, you know, it's great, yeah. but, but they haven't been particular, they're hard out. Yeah. But they go out. <laughs> They're four and eight this season. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like um, it's it's hard it's hard to figure out. And and I get the sense, you know, I mean, what a job they did in that game. Um, 
you know, Indy, they were dominated in a sense by Indianapolis, but they kept stopping them in, inside the 10. Mm. Um, and my sense is that they may give Vrabel another year just to see what happens with Levis. I hope so. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Levis because the box score, I watched a lot of that game and the box score will show you once again, you didn't have a great game with what, 50% completion. I, I like Levis. I think there's something in him. Like, I think he's got a bit of Moxie's physical. He just seems like he's got a spark to be. I haven't watched enough tape of him to know how composed and uh, consistent he can be. And maybe that's ultimately the problem. But in terms of that game changing ability, I feel he's got he's got something about him. I like I liked what I saw from Levis last night. Yeah, he, he was a bit, I'm not sure getting in Diop's face was, I thought that was the best part of the best moment of the game. It was kind of like, and the look on Diop's face was, who are you? What is, who is this guy? <laughs> Have I seen you before? Um, but yeah. Diop's up's a quite interesting offense, Mike, the, the times yeah. at times. Yeah, and he gives them a lot of, um, a lot of options. You know, he was under quite a bit of pressure and mm. was throwing some really, Pretty well placed sidearm yeah. balls, yeah. Um, which and he's got a good long pass as well, which you know um, would help if they had a better deep receiver. I mean, Pierce is their sort of deep threat, but Pierce isn't, you know, a, a huge kind of speedster kind of deep deep guy. Mm. I like him, but but yeah. um, it's not it's not that kind of thing. Speaking of which, Tank Dell is out for the season, yeah. which is going to be tough be tough good. for Houston in that division. I mean, that's a really interesting division because. Yeah. You know, given the way things are panning out, um, Jacksonville should should win it. Um, they're probably the best team there, but Indy seven and five, and Houston seven and five. Yeah. You know, right right behind them. So the Colts uh, are in the playoff spot. By they're in the, the they're in the sixth seed, I think. Yeah, and the Texans yeah. are, are leading the chasing pack essentially. So I was looking at the Colts running um, at Bengals, home to Steelers, at Falcons, home to Raiders, and the Texans. So it might be that last game of the season that decides it, right? It could be, yeah. Um, and, you know, Cleveland is in the seventh playoff spot now. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that's probably not going to um, Despite Joe to Flacco's best I tell you, Joe Flacco played a pretty good game. He did all I mean, right. For a 38-year-old guy who hadn't played all season, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he threw one really bad pass, you know, one bad decision, that deep pass late, you know. And mm. I understand the call, but it's one of those things where when you see it's not really there, you've no, got to throw the ball yeah, away. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't take the chance. Uh, and that was basically the turning turning point of the game. Um, it's a good point you make, Mike, because it's easy to pile on. I mean, Flacco is a Super Bowl winner. He had a solid career, like, you know, but, 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 but the Browns, I mean, where do they go from here? Because Flacco's their fourth starter of the season. I, this defense all season long, hype, 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 and, and understandably so, but they're in the playoff spot right now. Are they the team? Most he probably gives them a better chance to win than DTR. What about any of the other three? So Watson, presumably, did he show you enough to... Would, I'm not sure he Watson, Watson's always is going to be a huge problem for them because they can't cut him. They're stuck with him basically. And he was a bit better this year, but he's not convincing, is he? Yeah. Um, and and the, the tendency to go injured, um, which is not his fault, probably, but the probably is huge in this in this case. You know, PJ Walker's nothing, you know, PJ Walker's a um a guy off, you know, just a guy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's not an NFL level starter. Um, I like him. You know, he, he's got great effort. He was, you know, good in Carolina. 
um, when he, you know, and DTR is the future, but I don't think DTR gives them a better chance of winning right now than Flacco does. Right. Okay. Um, and you know, that's going to be, I think given the situation, they will probably look at going into next year with three quarterbacks, mm. not necessarily Flacco, but probably somebody that they can call on who's experienced if they have to. Um, yeah. If Watson, if Watson doesn't go and just a word, it just reminded me about Carolina. Mm-hmm. You notice um, they lost again, but the best player on the team for them was Ch- Chuba Hubbard again. Mm-hmm. And last year when they fired, um, when they fired rule in mid season mm-hmm. and Wilkes took over that they went six and six under Wilkes and yeah. they had got rid of McCaffrey and everyone said, Oh, what a terrible trade. And it is a terrible trade in the sense that they haven't really done anything to show for it because of Bryce. Young. You know, one of the, one of the picks went to Chicago in the Bryce young trade and two of them went to Pittsburgh so they could move up and take TJ Johnson, who may one day be a good pass rusher, but you know, they he was supposed to be Brian, the Brian Burns replacement because Burns yeah. is, is going to leave at the end of the season. Um, probably, mm. but you know, now, and now the same things happened. Chuba's their best player. They're going back to a kind of run first offense, which is mm. probably what they should have been doing anyway with a rookie quarterback like sure. Bryce Young, That's you know, it. until they could build around him, you know. And I just think, well, what, what does he have to do? What do coaches have to do in, in, in this business? You know, Wilkes would have been, yeah, sure. Wilkes would have been a great choice to stay as head coach, you know. Yeah, just not. I didn't realize they fired Josh McCown with um, Reich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because I, yeah, I, I hadn't realized that. Cause I, 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 realized, I wrote about the I, 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 su- I suggested that uh, Josh McCown could be their next coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, uh, they, they hadn't actually decided to fire him. Heard you say that on the podcast, fire him. That's how, that's how that <laughs> just went to down. prove it. Just yeah, prove I mean, it. Tepper's, no, I don't know. Tepper's got a, I hadn't realized either. Again, thank you, Peter King. Mm-hmm. Um, he owns Charlotte Football Club mm-hmm. in the and and he's had he's owned it for two years and he's had two coaches. Yeah, yeah. Go go figure. <laughs> I loved his press figure conference. Out. I wrote about it last week. His press conference where he said, you know, my employees all know I'm really loyal to them or stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, boss, you're right. <laughs> we define loyalty just quickly. I'd like to, I'd like to be there. Um, all right, let's actually just on the playoff race in the AFC quickly. Uh, Denver obviously going down to to Houston. Are they out yeah. of it now? They done with the Russ meltdown. I mean, they're six and six. But... Well, I, I, meltdown is they were. He was under a lot of pressure. I mean, Will Anderson. Had a tremendous, oh my god, what a game! Yeah. And Stingley as well. I mean, you know, yeah. both and had game. one of the great post game interviews. Who, you know, Will Anderson or Stingley? Will Anderson, yeah, yeah. Will Anderson, and and it's one of those interviews where the guy's throwing all the stats at him. You know, you had yeah. only had two hits, you had two rush, you rushed score right there. I just God, man, my teammates, I was so excited. Well, what did you think about it? I was so excited. Just it was fantastic. It was fa- he seemed so, so upbeat and so pumped up. I love it. And, you know, it's, 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 I, I always say it's a thankless interview, you know, because yeah. basically the guy's, the interviewer is almost always trying to prove he knows what the game, you know, what he saw, but yeah. you're taking away most of the things that the guy could say by, yeah, by sure filling, by by filling them yeah. all in, in the, in the question. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but so Russ, you know, he, he had to keep plays alive the whole game. And mm. um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a meltdown. That last pass was ill judged, but he didn't have a whole lot of choices mm. um, in, in the situation. And all um, picks them, Mike. I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. Good defense. Good defense. 
Yeah. It, it, it I mean, smacks of D'Amico Ryans and Stingley. Yeah, I mean, the God, Stingley dude. pick. The second one was unreal. Like one of and the, one of the best picks I can remember. What was uh, their draft? And you know, and D'Amico Ryans. I, I see the touch of D'Amico Ryans in their game planning defensively. Um, How so? They they adjust week by week mm-hmm. to teams, and they figure ways of taking away um, some of the team's strengths. In this case, Cortland Sutton, Sutton yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 the run game, um, yeah. and Jerry Judy didn't. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at their draft. C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Obviously, you, you're expecting. You know, yeah. if you if you got the first, two of the first three picks, you you better hit on them. But but Dell in the yeah. third round, you know, is, is has done has done really when did well. Play college ball. Houston. I was he- oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and la- last year, well, it wasn't the same people, but, you know, they, they're a young team. Pe- mm. Peter, Pe- Petrie and uh, Stingley were drafted last year. Yeah. Um, Christian Harris, who was starting at the linebacker, was drafted. Um, Kenyon Green was their first pick. He starts. Scruggs is starting at center yeah. from this year's draft. You know, and they've got a, the foundation for a really good team. And that's why yeah. Dell's oh. loss is so one of the weak spots kind of is, is wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Where Nico Collins is playing really well, but they, they really, Dell was, you know, immensely um, influential being a deep threat. And what do you have? Seven touchdowns, I think. Um, it's such a shame. It's such yeah. a shame. Um, hey, listen, that reminded me actually on the show on Friday with me, Ben and uh, an old propo, we gave a shout out to uh, all of our American listeners. Cause the end of the year, wrapped spotify wrapped shows you how many downloads you've had listeners you've had and if you're an individual user of spotify mike as you well know you will get a list of your top artists top podcasts and loads of you got in touch with us we're in their top five which is brilliant to see keith pout he's just literally just messaged us we've been on air uh on instagram saying hey not too shabby we're in the in his top five with some uh in some fine company so we really appreciate all your support that we also asked for you to reach out to us if you listen to the show um, over in the states, and a number of you, including Mallory Duff, did uh, did re- hey Mallory. So shout out to you. We're one of our American listeners. Keep those coming in and wherever you are. We stayed wow. in America just because it was shown as outside. It's of a big place, you know. Yeah, it's a really big, big place. Is he part of the Duff beer family? I don't know. We'll ask Mallory that. Mallory, <laughs> let let Iron Mike go. You're part of the Duff. Let's yeah. hope so. And then we they can they, they should buy a team really somewhere. You know, that. Um, speaking of penalties. Mm. Um, Denver only had two penalties the whole game for eight yards. Uh, and in the Patriots-Chargers game, there were only seven penalties called for 34 yards. Now, this may be a reaction to Cleet Blakeman's super, super Blandino <laughs> on last <laughs> Thursday night with Seattle and Dallas, where accepted penalties were 19 for 257, and, <laughs> and they had at least six declined penalties. It was you six at the end of the first yards. Time. So they allow well, you to do that. Can you, you probably could, and, and Cleet Blakeman could win a Cleet fortune. <laughs> let's let's look into Cleet in a bit more detail. I think this is getting. What have we unearthed there? Might we stumbled onto some scandal? There was a that. little video of so one of the. I think it was the side judge being hackled by a play, by somebody on the sidelines, mm-hmm. um, probably a civilian, not one of the players. Yeah, you know, but saying what did you, is that going to spoil your parlay? I think it was on the. Um, <laughs> sure. I think it was on the. Um, the out of bounds, the out of bounds hit on Mahomes. You know, is that going to spoil your parlay? What are you calling that one for? <laughs> I love it. I love the way the the knowing nods from various announcers. Um, it when uh, like a backdoor cover goes in 
<laughs> something, <laughs> something happens. How about uh, Nick Falk hit punting? Oh, yeah. So listen, a lot of punting news in the Titans game. We didn't even talk about that. So two block punts. Stonehouse gets injured after the second one. So Tannehill comes into the hole. I mean, that's got to... If you're Tannehill, it, you, where's my life and it's, fu- it's funny how, you know, back in the old days, usually a quarterback... The backup backup quarterback or sometimes a wide receiver would hold, you know, because they were all supposed to have good hands. And you see how precise the whole thing is. And it was even more evident when Falk kicked the field goal in overtime. Mm. He hesitated before he started his run up. He wanted to make sure that was so that could have been blocked, you know. And that's why the first one was missed, I think. The I I think he I think he was worried about about all of that. You know, the the mechanics of the The snap hold were not that bad. Yeah, you know, but it was it, the, it was just the rhythm, right? The rhythm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he came out and he hit two good punts. Mm. <laughs> you know, oh. and and I thought, you know, this this is a great, but those two blocks, the second mm. one isn't even a punt block. It went in the scorebook as a fumble mm. because because the guy was in so quickly that Stonehouse <laughs> never had a chance to start his punting motion. Yeah, yeah. And you watched what they did. He was lined up as a gunner, you mm. know, uh, uh, again uh, opposite the gunner. Um, on the outside and then started to cheat in and then just came in completely Bam. unblocked yeah, yeah. and they say, you know, and twice in a row, it's, it, it's, it's amazing uh, how important that, that is um, in, in this game. And, you know, I, I thought that was a really good game. We talked about oh, it a minute great ago game. Great game. and Min, Minshew really, um, you know, that the second pass to Pierce that set up the winning touchdown um you know was a perfectly perfectly weighted pass mm. um you know you can't you you couldn't throw it any any better and the colts have now won four in a row they're now the longest winning streak since um yeah. denver got beat yeah 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 that's uh that is uh why they're in the playoff race uh well and truly right let's get through a couple of questions so I, yeah i get i guess um i guess you could say that um Pittsburgh might be trying to trade for Bailey Zappi this week. <laughs> Do you think, well, hey, that's before nuts. before Thursday night. Can you imagine Al Michaels? They're, they're, Al Michaels is eighty years old, right? And everybody's saying, you know, Al just is not not interested enough in the game. So Al was really fired up last week. I mean, he had this great line about Cleet Blakeman. He said, "We're just going to let Cleet Blakeman call the game for the rest of the game." Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, which was fantastic. Oh, no. I thought, you know, Al. But this week, oh, no. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in New England. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> the over under on that may not be in double figures. Trubisky, Trubisky, Zappy. We think Zappy. I don't know. Maybe they should go. Real Ma- Malik Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Um, let's go left field on that. At least that'll make it quite, a, quite more watchable. Anyway, on that, it's a really, really good question. I and I don't want to, I don't want to show my hand or uh, or load your decision, I Mike, when what? you pick your favorite. But I love this question from Anthony Braithwaite. He. Uh, asks with so many empty seats at the Pats, Steelers, Texans, etc. Quite a few last week. How long is it until the international series is moved until later in the season to show full stadiums for lesser games? Really interesting question. I thought part of the reason why the seats are empty. I mean, they're all, they're in Pittsburgh and New England's case, they're all sold. It's not like it's not like the team's losing money. Excuse me. Um, are because the teams aren't that good or the weather's really bad. And unfortunately you're, you're risking bad weather when you come, when you go overseas later. And, you know, I'm a little surprised that they, they stopped the Pittsburgh game twice because I know they're taught, they're thinking about fan, you know, fan safety supposedly, but you know, if it's not thunderstorms, yeah. If it's just rain, yeah. You know, then play, um, 
you know, maybe they're thinking that the field is going to be used on Thursday and they don't want to remember that Monday night game where, where the Pittsburgh, had, I think they'd played on Sunday. They'd been a college or Saturday. They'd been a college game. Um, and the Patriots, I think it was the Patriots on a Monday night against Pittsburgh. And the field was so soggy that one, one hunt landed toe, you know, tipped down and just plopped into the ground yeah, just, and was, yeah, yeah. was standing up like that. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're yeah, worried yeah. about that kind of thing yeah, too, yeah, but yeah. I'm not sure that later in the season um, you'd be guaranteed. You probably would, but I'm, I'm not sure you'd be guaranteed um, no empty seats. You'd probably be guaranteed sellouts or close mm-hmm. to it, but not, not necessarily no empty seats. And I think just the problem with late November, December is, is that now you're in the, um, now you're in the real playoff push. And I think teams wouldn't want to sacrifice a home right. game, you know, in, in those circumstances. Ahead of the Cubs, you obviously have to plan it. And, so you don't and certainly not a team like Miami or, yeah. you know, um, that's playing in, in almost guaranteed good weather. Yeah. Um, okay. Like uh, like the question, nevertheless, it certainly piqued my interest. So, and here's the one I wanted to get to earlier when we are talking about quarterbacks. Uh, from Rory Egan Thomas. Hey, Rory. If Aaron Rodgers was healthy... How do you think the Jets would be doing this year? That's a really good question. Um, if he had played the whole year, I mean, you know, they had the surprising start and then it caught up to them and people figured out what they couldn't do, which is a lot offensively. Um, with Rogers. That's, that's really interesting. I'm, are they a better team than Buffalo with Aaron Rodgers? I'm not sure. They certainly would be better than New England, um, but they are they are already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not that's not really a hot take. That's that's a really interesting question, mm. um, and that may that may that, that may be yeah, Phil the Greek good. for the question of the week. Um, oh, there you go. There you the question go. of the Rory, week. Business, um, are you going to call it now, Mike? Are you calling it now? I'll call it now. Yeah, because that's Rory, one, that's one that I was still Phil the Greek was going to be question of the week because it was one I could answer, you know, with a good story about yeah, you. <laughs> so that actually give it to Phil the Greek. Oh, hang on. You just got Rory's hopes up there. We can maybe see, look, we can ask our friends at Passiak whether they'll be, they might, yeah. if you give them 1250 12 each. Oh, great. I'll get them a beer. Um, all right. We'll, uh, we'll ask. Give, give, we'll give them like 20 quid each or something like that. Well, okay. I will, we will ask Daniel and our friends at Passiak if that is possible to do yeah, that. Daniel's the man, you know. Daniel is the man. That's very true. He is the man. Dan the man. And the man, he'll take care of that, Mike. Don't you worry about that. Uh, brilliant stuff at Castle Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter. I mentioned earlier on Mike's column, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Thinking about it, if Aaron Rodgers had started, you know, winning this whole season with Green Bay, he would have been hurt in week five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a fair point. You want, well, you want the over-under on how many minutes he'll play the rest of the season? Yeah, I do. How many? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> the the over-under is at one. One minute. He's going to play four minutes. <laughs> and I take the under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Carlson, always a pleasure. Bye, look after yourself. I'll see you next Monday. Okay. Again, nice. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.